0: Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10:30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. I believe that there is a way that we can step into God's presence and there is a way that God showed a pattern in the Old Testament but it became a practice in the New Testament and so if we can understand the pattern I believe that we can step into the practice you know one of the things that um, one of the ancient um, monks I think he was called one of the Desert Fathers, Brother Lawrence. He talked about practicing the presence of God. Also, another book was Agnes Sanford, and her book was called Practicing the Presence. And then there was another book that I read when I was in Bible school, and it was Madame Guyon, And again, practicing the presence. And so I believe that there is something so rich for us to begin to understand the the way that God shows us the pattern. And then with that, then, we can step into the practice. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 24. Because um, I just feel there is something in this passage that we can we can miss and i've looked at it and i've talked to and have the lord has spoken to me rather than so i'm talking to you what the lord has spoken to me and that is the four stages of entering the presence I've never looked at it like that before, you know. You've heard me say there aren't four keys to spirituality, there is one, that's we're either in Christ or outside of Christ. And so that is my that is my view. But also there's sometimes that God says, hold on, Trevor, you know, that's not that's not all. There is, there, there is a way that you can enter into my presence, and there are stages in which you go. that you get into my presence and listen because it's in my presence that you understand and you can take hold of my purpose see we live in a world and there'll be many of you here today and you're in jobs that you shouldn't be in that you're in places you shouldn't be in because you haven't got a purpose And because of that, they are dead end to you. They won't be dead end to everybody because some people in the same places know that it's the purpose of God for them. But there are others here and you're in a dead end job because you don't know what God's purpose is for your life. And because of that, you then go running around for every prophetic word that you can get, hoping it's going to be the key that opens the door for you to step into God's plan and purpose. Isn't that true? And so I want us to look at this morning this passage from Exodus chapter 24 and here it's a way into the presence of God's holiness see I believe God is looking for his people to be holy as he is holy and when we are holy as he is holy let me tell you it's not about what you do but there are some things that you have to do you have to get rid of sin in your life you with me you get rid of those things and what God does he puts anointing on you Because what the blood cleanses, the spirit always anoints. And so we're asking God to anoint us when the blood hasn't cleansed us. And so what happens is God won't anoint you. And so then that's when we struggle and strive trying to do something in our own strength because God is not giving us the power. It's like the words we heard this morning. And that is the button is hidden. Listen, that's connection. When God speaks about a button, it's a connection. Then there was the w- word about, um, he has given us everything. And so that, in the flow in the river, that's the flow of life. So there's a, a button, there's a place of connection, so that we can flow and we can receive all that God has for us. Do you understand? Listen, we need to understand the ways of heaven. Because if we don't is what happens, the word just goes, we move on, and we don't press the button, we don't. Come to a place, as Ryan spoke first thing this morning, posturing ourselves. That was a cue for God to say, there is a button, it's hidden, it's overcast, it's grown over, there's something bailing it. And if we would just move it out of the way, listen, that needs the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus can move things out of the way, men. Only the blood of Jesus can deal with the things that... The enemy tries to uh, hinder us by, trip us up so that we can't step into the anointing. And then we move into the dead end places. Because there's no life there. You see the life is in the blood. The power is in the spirit. And so if you want the power you need the blood. Without the blood there's no power. Without power you need the blood. And so here these two things they speak together together. And so for us this morning, there are stages. And I would like you to look at, well, what stage are you on? Because there comes a point where I believe God opens up to us his purpose. What was the purpose of Jesus? Huh? Anybody tell me? What was Jesus' purpose of coming onto the earth? I know some of you say it was to... Give his life as a ransom. Many Good point. What was his purpose? It was to reveal the father. Now how many prophetic words do you need for that? How many pages do you need for that? How many scriptures do you need for that? I have come that I might reveal the father. The father whose heart is breaking for the prodigals and who's breaking for the hurting, who's breaking for the broken. It's his heart. And so if we reveal the Father, I believe that God can touch people's lives. I was talking to Alosha just yesterday, and he's in Ukraine. And uh, two days ago, he said, you know... um, has, has Ukraine, has that died down for you coming? I said, no, it hasn't. I said, I'm just looking for the right person to take with me. Because I want somebody who's going to be strong next to me. And that can't always be Tom. He has four children. And um, I just give, said to Lumi this morning just how thankful I am that she was prepared to carry the weight so that Tom could come. You know, and there is a weight to these things. It doesn't just happen. And and so, you know, there's there's the broken. And Elosha was saying to me, um, two days ago, I took $8,000 worth of medical equipment to Bakhmut. You've all heard of that in the news. Well, he took £8,000 worth of medical equipment to Bakhmut. And I said, well, I'm just waiting for... The person who can travel with me. And he says, Well, I've got two freedom fighters if you want one of those. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, well, that's different. I've never I've never had I've never had, you know, a freedom fighter before. You know, in that sense. And and so, you know, when we look at it, I believe God wants us to. To move into a place where we take hold of his purpose. Because if we can take hold of the purpose of God. If you were put here on planet earth to reveal the father. Have you revealed him this week? You know and listen I am not beating you up. I just want to be real with you. We were in Starbucks last week, and I've been waiting for this opportunity to give this illustration. It's not mine. I wish it was, but it wasn't. I heard J. John say it once, and I thought that would be a great opportunity to preach the gospel to somebody. So we were in Starbucks in Saliguri, And uh, how they get a Starbucks in Saliguri, I'll never know. And so we're in Saliguri, and we're having a great time. It took me 20 minutes to order Starbucks five lattes and a chocolate 20 minutes and uh, but it was 20 minutes where i was connecting with the three um, baristas we were laughing i was saying what cups what size cups we have small cups we have We have tall cups. What cups have you got? And they showed me the cups. I said, no, I want one larger than that. There's this. And then they were going on about lattes. I said, do you have vanilla? No, we don't have vanilla. So what else do you have? And we were going through all of this. And they were putting cups up on the top, putting them down, taking them on, putting them down. And uh, is this one the one you want? Is that one? And in the end, we got to know each other in 20 minutes. And so after all of that, we had a great time. We were just telling stories of... Holy Spirit to each other they were listening in so we made them really interesting for non-believers and uh, so I'm walking out and this was the, I'm walking out and as I'm walking out I said to Hetman that's his name Hetman I said Hetman I said um what do you think I do and uh, he looked at me he says, oh. he says give me a clue and I thought straight away jay john's story came to mind i thought this is my opportunity and so i said well let me give you a clue that my father has a global enterprise and um, and he has a center in every city of the world and there's not a place where he hasn't got a center and, uh, and the thing is this, I am here um, looking for recruits. So I am, I'm here recruiting. And um, you are an ideal candidate. I thought, I've got him. So then the other guy who's at the back, I thought, thank you, J. John, I've got it in. So the other guy at the back, is, um, he says, he shouts out, he's a pastor. <laughs> so I think you may have watched J. John. He said, he's a pastor. And then I said to him, so does this, does, um, Hetman, does he know you're a Christian? And he said, no. I said, so now that he does, you need to talk to him about the Lord Jesus Christ, because you've got no excuse now, because I've opened the door for you and uh, and so when we went there the last day we went there just to finish it. he didn't he didn't open his heart to the Lord. i could have easily got him to pray the prayer but i believe this person who works alongside him needed to, needs to do it and so <clears throat> we were going going out and he came he even cut his lunch time short just so he could serve us five lattes and a chocolate isn't that good so, um, so those are some of the things. But you see, purpose. What's the purpose for you? Have you revealed Jesus? Because the one person hadn't. And you see, we don't always have to do everything to bring them to Christ. I feel that there's too many people going around, bringing people to Christ who have no understanding of what they're doing. And so what happens is they don't have a Jesus encounter. They have a person encounter and the person encounter is the one that's telling them about Jesus. I'm just saying it. So we have to be really careful because I want them to have a truth encounter and Jesus is the way the truth. I want them to have a power encounter with the Holy Spirit so that they have a deep conviction in their hearts. And so here, what is your purpose? Because I do believe God wants you to be purposeful. I really do. Jesus was to reveal the Father. Listen, I believe every single one of you here this morning, God wants you to be a co-laborer with Him. Yes. Wow. Yes. He wants you to labor with Him. What does He want you to do? He wants you to tell people about the Father. Yes. And when you're telling people about the Father, you cannot but tell them that the way of the Father is, is through Jesus Christ. So that's our purpose. That's it. It isn't to build centers. Though you can build centers. If you're telling people about Jesus. And revealing the father. It isn't to go on missions. Though if you go on missions. And you're revealing the father. Telling people about Jesus. All of that comes into it. But that's all you need. So you in your place of work. Is all you need to know. Is this you are there. In order to reveal the father. And tell people about Jesus. That's it. We have to get out of our little safety zones. And when you drive the roads of India, there are no safety zones. Probably just the same as in Zimbabwe. There are no safety zones. It is anybody's. Whoever gets there first gets to tell their story. And so for us today, this passage of Exodus 24, an encounter with God, in order for him to reveal his purpose. He did it for Moses, he will do it for you. And so here there are four stages to these encountering. The first stage is this. The Lord, verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord. You, Aaron, nahab and abihu and 70 of the elders you are to worship me but at a distance mark that down see god puts a limitation see there are god ordained limitations god imposed limitations now what was the limitation It was that the whole of Israel, and you read in chapter 19, the whole of Israel was not allowed to go and even touch the mountain. That's not my words. So is there a distinction? Yes, there is. If we're to encounter God, we need to find the pattern. When we find the pattern, we need to put it into practice. And we'll see how this goes. You see, because when Jesus, here's the practice... You see, the the crowds came to Jesus. What did they come for? Manna. What did they come for? Food. Why did they come? Because they were harassed and helpless. And they were broken and they were hurting. And Jesus fed them. But then he told the disciples to get into a boat and go to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. See, I believe that you can come to church on a Sunday morning and your attitude of coming to church can be one where you are one of the crowd. And God says the crowd never gets to touch my presence. So where are you this morning? You see, God says, look, you can come to the foot of it, but you can't reach out and touch it. Listen, there are limitations because I believe God is protecting us and you'll see why in a moment. And so here, Jesus dismisses the crowd. See, I believe that Jesus this morning, he wants to dismiss the crowd from your heart. Just going with the crowd. So you come to church on Sunday morning. You haven't spent any time preparing. You haven't sought the Lord. You haven't opened up your heart. And so you come in and then you're looking at, well, what songs are we singing this morning? That is not the way. That is don't touch. Do you understand? And so here he takes up with him. um, Let me just get it. Nadab, Abihu, the 70 of the elders. And so there is a God imposed limitation. And so, for us, if you read Psalm 19, uh, Psalm 19, Exodus 19, you find that again they have been up on the mountain with Moses. And Moses is given the law in chapter 19. What is that? It's about how they're going to live together in community. And so, here the Lord was about community. Here we enter into a place of covenant. So he's gone up again. This time though, it is in order for God to open up and reveal to him covenant. We're going to break bread this morning. That's covenant. You'll find it here. It's actually in this passage. And so here... There is the first stage and that is the crowd cannot go up. Listen to what it says in chapter 19 and in verse 12. It says there, be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned with shots and arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him, whether man or animal. He shall not be permitted to live. I mean, that's pretty serious. But you see, is what we do is we water everything down. So we say, well, anybody can go up. Okay, that's true. But you ask Miriam if anybody can go up. You ask Coath and Dagon if, they, if, if anybody can go up. It's not true. See, there is a way into the holy presence of God. And we need to get back to moving into the holy presence of God the way that he told us to come in. Yes. You see, the fact is this. For many people, they say, well, we can come as we like. No, you can't. You can't sort of strut in and say, well, I can come here. Ryan's already mentioned it this. one. I can come here. What time is it? Oh, a quarter. A meeting's gone on for 15 minutes. I can come in. I mean what what way is that? Huh? You've only got to look at yesterday. We're talking of an earthly king and everybody's sat in their seats. Yeah. Waiting for the moment for the fanfare. That was at the beginning. You don't no haven't made it then, you're not coming in. See, we have this happy-go-lucky. Oh, I can come as I like. I can come, what's the time? and this, this isn't to get you to come in unless God. Unless God speaks to you, you'll still do the same. But if you allow God to speak to your heart, let me tell you, he will put his weight upon it. And let me tell you, your heart will be broken in the way that you've treated his presence. It really will. See, but you can come as you are. That's the difference. You can not come as you like. sit in the back or even in the front sometimes. And there you are, you're worshiping, you're getting all your notifications. And you're watching all the notifications. See, that's the crowd. You are letting things crowd in on you. And listen, all those notifications, they distract your attention. And so when people are touching the button and connecting with God, you're not. Because you're so consumed With what's on your wrist or what's in your pocket, it bleeps in your, what's, you know? And I say this three weeks ago, don't send me Facebook messages. I don't answer them anymore. I've come off. Don't send me Instagram messages because I'm not there. If you want to talk to me, you can talk to me through WhatsApp. uh, I think it's WhatsApp. And um, you can talk to me through message. Because they're the only people who have my details who know me. All the rest are a load of phonies. I don't know them. And you know what? Google or whatever app you use, they choose who you're going to be listening to. It's time for us to get to a place where we allow God to choose who we listen to. Come on. So this is stage one. See, that's why we can't get into the presence. It's because we're still on stage one. And God wants us to move into stage two. See, he dismisses the crowd, the distractions, the people who just come to be fed, the people who come for a healing. He would do all of those things. He didn't send them away empty. Are you with me? He didn't send them away empty. He fed them all. But he dismissed the crowd and he directed the disciples. And said go across. And when they got to the other side. What did he do? He took them up onto the mountain. And he preached the sermon on the mount. To the disciples. Not to the 5,000. To 12 men. And women. And with that. As somebody said this morning. 12 people could change the world. Come on. Or don't we believe in a God who can do that. Why do we do that? Is because we have so watered down how we enter His presence. That's all. And I'm not after anybody this morning. I just want you to check your heart. That's all. Allow God to touch it, and you'll be different. And so, here, see, it's one thing to live in community. But that was the law was given. But listen, the law was given so they could live in community. But in that, the community couldn't come and touch the mountain. Let's not be a community that is unable to touch the presence of God. So is all we have is a pattern, but no power. Paul puts it like this. Having a form a pattern of religion, but we deny pressing the button. Yeah. Wow. And so there's no connection. And so the power doesn't flow. Do you know, there was a woman in the meeting last week, and I know I'm going to rush, I've only got the first point yet, but there was a woman in the meeting last week, she was watching me intently as people's legs and me stre- were stretching. Listen, I couldn't care less how they get stretched. I couldn't care less if God just tweaks them so that their back moves in so all the pain that's been there comes out and it's released. I couldn't care less. Or whether he does a creative miracle, you choose. But when people say the pain is gone, it's gone. And so here, this this woman was watching me intending. I says, come here. I says, now you do it. And so I got her to do it, and it was happening in her hands. And listen, there was greater stretching in her hands than happened in my hands. But what happened in my hands excited her to say, could I do that? And she then spent the rest of the lunchtime sitting people in the seat and lifting their legs and seeing God move and touch their lives. Come on, give God praise. See, this is how it's going to happen. And so here, can you see, it is that Jesus takes the disciples because he wants to introduce them to the kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount is about living kingdom lives. We need to get back to kingdom lives again. Not cultural lives. Kingdom lives. See what the kingdom of God is saying. And then aligning our lives to the kingdom. Not to cultures. Don't think God's too interested in cultures. But he is interested in seeing his kingdom. Because he says it has no end. And the kingdoms, as we heard yesterday, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God in his Christ. Hallelujah. First step. So, if you're not there, this is what to do. Get rid of things in your life if you've got too many distractions get rid of them so that you're not distracted and certainly let me say if you're in here and you're not a doctor a fire officer then and you're watching or looking for your notifications let me tell you stop it did you hear that word well how do I do that stop You're a doctor, you can have it on. Why? Because you need it. So you're okay, Rich? The only one, the only one who can see a notification, you know. And even he turns them off, I know. And so here that's the first stage. He says, Come up to the Lord. And so only these men could come up. And listen. As we look at this, God is gender specific. But when we come to Jesus, he is not gender specific. Just get it into your heads and hearts. Jesus is for men and women. He is not gender specific. There were those women, it says, who ministered to his needs. Hallelujah. And so here Paul says, Aquila and Priscilla... You know, they were counted as apostles. And so here it's not that we get into all that the world is getting into. And so here he takes them up. And now it's Moses takes Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. And they worship at a distance. But they are closer than the bottom. They've moved up to the second stage. And as they move up to the second stage, it is that there is a people who can go up, who have learned what it is to be obedient. Now you have to understand in this passage where you have these three men and the 70 elders, you go into Numbers chapter 11, verse 25, and this is wonderful because it's there that Moses took some The the Lord took some of the spirit that was on Moses, spirit that was on Moses. And he told Moses to lay hands on the priest and the 70 um, leaders, elders. And so now they were anointed and the anointing takes us into another realm. It is the anointing that makes room for us. It is the anointing that allows the yokes to be broken because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so now you have these 73, four, if you count Joshua, because he's in there. We get to him later. And so here you have these people, and now (coughs) they can go up with Moses to another place. And so there are jurisdictions which the anointing brings us into. It was amazing yesterday, wasn't it? I know it's only a type. And we're not going back to the old types of hundreds of years ago. But you see the king, and he's anointed. And now he was given a jurisdiction over the nations who come under the rule of Britain. So there was an anointing. And I believe that with Jesus Christ, forget all that now, come back to Jesus. It says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and his anointed. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. Acts chapter 8, 34, 38 it is. And so here, you start to see there's a jurisdiction. There is a sphere, as we hear so often. There is territory that you begin to operate in, in the anointing. And so in that, the anointing can break the yoke. You can begin to pray for the sick, and the sick get healed. You can begin to flow in the anointing. Why? Because you've connected with the button. You've got into the abundant flow of God, the flow of life. And so here you have... This wonderful picture as they go up, but they worship at a distance, but it's because of their obedience they're able to go up. And as they go up, the Holy Spirit sets the spheres of our ministry. As Tom told you this morning, we have incredible favor in the doers region. I mean, incredible favor. I go up into Rangpo, which is on the border of Sikkim, and I go to the checkpoint there. And when we're at the checkpoint, there is a man who comes to meet me. And he says, give me your passports. We give him the passports. And he says, okay, you can go now and I'll sort all this out for you. I then go to a excuse me, a meeting with Sharon. And it's Joshua Himalayas. I go into this meeting where we talked about it here before and in this meeting there is a thousand young people gathered from all over they have been traveling for 18 hours do you know why they heard that Trevor Baker was coming see that's favor and listen God doesn't put anointing on anything he puts it on people always remember that it's not it's not irrespective of you. Some people said, oh, God would do it irrespective of you. No, He won't. He does it because of you and because of your obedience and because of your cleansing in the blood and because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's why God does it. There isn't a shortcut to it. And so here, as these men come up, you see here, they go up and what do they do? they see and they move into a place of revelation. Let me just get it for when you. I, when I read this the other day, they got up early in the morning, built an altar at the foot of the mountain. They went up. Let me just get it. As they go up, Moses, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw God. Don't tell me anybody can see God. Because I won't believe it. There is a pattern. If you have seen me, you have seen my Father. Lord, show us the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's our God-given right. As sons and daughters of God. To be able to have a revelation of God in our lives. And so it says here. The 70s saw it. It says under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire. Let me tell you. It's the same as in Ezekiel 10. Where there is a sapphire um, pavement that they stand on it's the same as in Daniel 7 it's the same as in Revelation 4 they were having it back there why because it's a pattern of the good things to come on which the end of the age has come. It's come upon our age. So these are things that we have access to. We need to get back into the realm of seeing the supernatural, being seated with Christ in heavenly places, receiving revelation, receiving those supernatural encounters from God because that is where he wants us to be. And if this is language you don't understand, let me tell you, it's probably because you're new here, but we need to get you up to speed under the anointing so that you can access the very courts of heaven come on and be seated together with christ in heavenly places hallelujah so this is ours and so the anointing and they go up to the mountain and when they go up the mountain wow they come to a place And it says here, listen, because I said this was covenant. There was a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself, but God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. See, the glory realm is a realm of covenant fellowship. Do you understand Jesus, in Luke and in Matthew, he talked about a covenant relationship. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had broken it, he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. You take this and you allow the weight of my brokenness to enter you. so that your heart will begin to beat and to break with the heart of God for the poor and the broken so that we can reveal the father to them and so that's what he did and then after supper he took a cup and he said this is the new covenant in my blood so you see here is the Not the practice. Jesus took us into the practice. Here are the symbols. Here is the form. And you see, we don't get up any higher than that. We can be in a place of covenant. But there is a place. I'm going to ask the life group leaders to come out, take the um, trays and go and distribute the bread and the wine. Because I believe there is something so good for us this morning. And you see, this is where they feast. Get hold of this. They're in the wilderness. What do they eat in the wilderness? What do they eat? Manna. What did they eat in the wilderness when they were hungry and they ran after Jesus because they were harassed and helpless. Bread and fish. Can you see? There is a place where God will meet all our needs according to Christ's Christ's presence in glory. See, there's a place. There's a place for us. See, this is covenant this morning. So you reach this place, listen, if there is sin in your life this morning, you don't need to come, confess it to me. It makes no difference whether you do that, but you just open your heart and say, God, I need you to forgive me. And then tell God what it is. You can whisper it, you can pray it out loud, you can shout it out loud. It doesn't make any difference because, let me tell you, nobody is bothered. I, for one, am not bothered about the depths of your sin. What I'm interested in is that you know cleansing in the Lamb and in his blood. That's what I'm interested in. And so you can take it this morning and you can pray and say, Lord, I have sinned. Hide yourself from my transgressions. Hide yourself. And so when you've prayed that prayer, cleanse me, Lord, as David prayed. You know that the last three weeks, I have never known a drawing close of the presence of God where things that I thought were okay were not okay. You understand? And you just say, God, what have I allowed to distract me and so you just clean it all out the way so father this morning as we take this bread your broken body pierced the blood and water flowed out an eternal covenant was made and you gave the practice of the pattern on Mount Sinai, in that upper room, see, upper room, they'd gone higher, and you forgave our sin. Lord, my prayer for everyone here this morning, as as we take the body, the bread of Jesus, Lord, it is just an emblem, but the practice is, it was your body that was broken. we ask you to forgive us. Can you say that? Father, forgive me for my sin. And then you just ask him to show you what you need to do. And then likewise after supper and so, let us together eat the bread. Take the bread, eat it together. So we're eating it as a fellowship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, this is coming into covenant relationship. And before some of you talk about, is it only, you know, the 70 elders and these two priests, I've got some great news for you. Because when they were all prophesying and Joshua came and he said, Lord, stop them. Because these were the ones who could prophesy, the elders and the priests. And what did Moses say? No, don't stop them. I want all God's people to be prophets. Can you see? But there is a way into it. And so for us this morning, let's just give thanks for the body of the Lord Jesus. And then he took the cup. This is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of it, all of you so let's drink the covenant relationship today father we say today there is nothing that can wash away our sin but the precious blood of the Lord Jesus who was holy undefiled separate from sinners but he identified with us hallelujah thank you Lord And so let's receive it. And so here they move into covenant. And in covenant, when they had finished, when they had had this meal, because that's what they were having, it says here that when, then I have, they ate and drank. Verse 12, and the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. See, there's a place of abiding. And I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commands. I have written for their instruction. Let me tell you, I believe God's going to start writing his laws on your hearts. It won't be on do's and don'ts, but it will be by the Spirit written on our hearts. In order for us to know that we are the people of God. And it says here, then Moses set out With Joshua, his assistant. And Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you. And anyone involved in a dispute can come to them. So here we come to the third stage. The third stage is Joshua and Moses. Relationships. In the New Testament, it's Jesus taking Peter. Remember the time when Jesus, he said to Peter, Peter, who do people say that I am? See, it was only to Peter he asked that question. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father. You've had a revelation of the father see that's how it comes about even when we just think we're answering things God is asking us question listen we just say the things that just seem to be there and, and Jesus said well done flesh and blood is not revealed you've come up to a place and in that place you now are enabled for the for the father to reveal things to you See, and that's when we move beyond that realm. And as we move beyond the realms of distractions, as we move beyond the realms even of ministry, we move to a new realm of relationship and friendship. See, Joshua moved into a new place of relationship. I remember when we were at the Grace Center and um, John Herbert, Earl of Powys, came and he brought a tent with him and he pitched it in the Grace Center. (laughs) He says, can I do this for you? I feel that God wants to make this place a habitation, a place of dwelling. And I said, yeah, sure you can. And as the meeting went on, um, Tom came over to me. And and I believe, Tom, that was a time when God really did something significant in our relationship. And uh, and Tom came up and he said to me, he says, can I get inside the tent? And uh, I said, I'm sure you can, Tom. And uh, he stayed there. The rest of the afternoon and the evening. And I believe that God did something, you see. But it's, it came out of friendship. Jesus had those who were his closest. He said to Peter, Peter, who do men say that? I, and listen, Peter can get it wrong. The next minute he's saying to Jesus, when Jesus is telling him what's going to happen, he said, no, Lord, it's not going to happen to you. And he said, get behind me, Satan. But he didn't stop. He didn't stop when Jesus disciplined him. And then when all men fled, and then there was Peter. And so he comes up in John 21. And in John 21, he says to Peter, see, there are relationships. They all fled. But he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And we have that wonderful outworking of a restored fleer of Jesus who becomes one of the ardent lovers of Jesus. So here, that's the third stage. Moses and Joshua. Jesus, Peter, James and John. See, there's a revelation of the anointed one, not the anointing. Yesterday we saw the anointing. You see, and so often we want the anointing. We want the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But here, it's the anointed one. You are the Christ. He wanted the person, not the power. Because if he got the person, the power would flow. He, the person makes the connection. The person, you press the button. That's what gives you the connection. Powerful word, prophetic word, this morning. And I know there's probably some people here who are saying, What on earth is John about? Because God wants to give us revelation. And so here, a revelation of Messiah, not anointing, but the anointed one. Intimate relationship with Jesus. And so then we come, and I will finish it off today, we come to the fourth stage. The fourth stage is where God speaks to Moses because there are times God calls us into places where we can only go alone. Do you understand that? That's why we have to get rid of all... I mean, it's so weighty on me this morning. That's why we have to get rid of the distractions that take us out. The things that cause our attention to waver and wane, and we looking here, looking there, looking for something that's going to excite us. And so here he set out with Joshua. And he says, Then, when Moses went up the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled upon the mountain. For six days the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud For to the Israelites in the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud and he went upon the mountain and stayed there 40 days and 40 nights. See, there was a place of isolation and a place of revelation see we don't in our day we don't move into those places the world comes crashing in on us even the church comes crashing in on us and we don't find those places do you know why revival fires came into being and that is there back in 1998 there was a 40-day fast that was announced in Toronto and uh, and I did I jumped into that with my both feet jumped in and for 40 days fasted we get to the end of the 40 days, 40 days, no food and juice, get to the end of 40 days, a week later, the Lord said to me, Trevor, that was your fast, now I'm going to ask you to fast, my fast for 40 days, 40 nights, see, and I say this, see, I was one that used to say, you can't get You can't have what others have had if you're not prepared to pay the price. And I said, you know, there is an inheritance and there is something that is given to you. But there's also something that you can't get unless you step into the practice. Do you understand? And listen, we have some time left up to to, um, Pentecost. It's not 40 days, so we're not into religious stuff setting 40 days aside though it would have been good if we'd have had this message then but I didn't have it then Um, but it would be good there were people here who will look at it and you'll say yes Trevor I'm going to fast the rest of this time up to Pentecost and listen whether you go with juice or whether you go with a Daniel fast that's just eating vegetables That's what I'm going to do. See, we have to understand God understands us. And there's a time when he will supernaturally. I mean, I was down at that point, the second fast, I was starting at 10 stone, 10 stone three. After a week, I was down to 10 stone. And I said to the Lord, Lord, if I lose any more weight, I'm going to do myself some real serious injury. My body, Richard would tell you, your body will start eating itself. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to do that. But if you keep me at 10 stone, I will continue to fast. And for the next. Oh, for the next 30 days, I never lost a pound. Juice. That's a miracle. Yeah. Then the three days I dropped below that, but I thought, hey, what the heck? It's, a, it's only three days, Lord. I think I can do that. And then the vision of revival fires came. See, the pattern on the mountain. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. Build it according to the pattern on the mountain. Now listen, I'm not saying to you go and do 240, but I'm saying to you pay a price to separate yourself so that You're in that place on your own with God. See, there comes a time when God says, you know, Trevor, come into that place. And so here, listen to this. Moses was alone in the place of surrender that's the only reason you go to that place on your own it's surrender it's your surrender it's not anybody else's it's your surrender and only your surrender is important to God and you only yours not anybody else's what anybody else can do whatever you do here after today listen that's between you and God not me you do something and that will be your surrender And I'm not laying, putting down stipulations, but I'm asking you to do something. God called Moses and he went up alone. Find a time each day where you can be alone with God. If you have to get up at half past five, that's the time I got up this morning, half past five, was to be alone with God. And listen, find a place. You say, Trevor, but I go to work. Yes, I work as well. And you say, find a place, ask God to wake you up at a certain time. And if it's three o'clock in the afternoon, do three o'clock in the afternoon. Let's not get religious about early mornings. But you find a place. He went, he went up alone. And in that place alone, do you remember Jesus? Place of surrender. Where was his place of surrender? Garden of Gethsemane. He took the disciples with him and he says, stay here and watch me. Watch with me for an hour and he went a little further you see this is what this stage the fourth stage is all about you go further than anyone else and you go further because that's the invitation that God has given you and so his invitation to me to go further will be different to his invitation to you to go further but you answer the invitation and you go as far as I go because it's personal to you. Are you with me this morning? And so with this then, he went a little further, and he says, did you hear what I said at the beginning, encountering the presence to know his purpose? Father, he says, Father, if this cup can pass from me, yet not my will, but yours be done and he went back again he found them sleeping he came back and, and he said again Father if this cup if you could do with me without this cup see there's a new cup this isn't the cup of feasting covenant. this is the cup of the purpose of God and he says Lord if you're willing let this cup pass from me yet yeah? Not what I will, but what you will. And at that point, the surrender was complete. The surrender didn't happen at Calvary. The surrender happened at the garden because in the garden, Jesus had a choice. At the cross, he'd already surrendered himself to the Father. I have the power to let you go, Jesus says, No, you don't know what you're talking about. I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it up again. This my father has given to me. You have no power over me, Pilate. And so with that, his surrender was complete. That's all God wants this morning is the surrender of your heart for his purpose. And then, let me finish And so here, just as Jesus receives the cup, Moses receives the tabernacle. The intricate details of the purpose of his life was so that God could have a dwelling place on the earth. Just like for Jesus, he says, a body you have prepared for me. He says in John chapter 1, verse 14, and Jesus tabernacled amongst us. A place of dwelling, a place of surrender, a place where God's manifest presence comes. And as that begins to take place, I wrote this down this morning the eternal realities of heaven which dwelt in the mind of god took visible shape and form wow. and he beheld heavenly things themselves and was instructed to create them on the earth. You shall make it according to the pattern that I showed you on the mountain. Can you see? There are different stages. God wants us all at that place of total surrender. And in that place of total surrender, Do you know what he would give to me and to you? And I hope you'll call out to God for this when you're alone with him and you say, Lord, give to me. Not a heart for the broken, not a heart for the damaged, not a heart for whatever it is that you see that causes your heart to be weighed down. But you say, Lord, would you give me a heart for the burning glory of God? Give me that heart, Lord, so that all of my senses can be awakened to what is on your heart. Amen. And so this morning, dearly loved of God, he requires one thing of me, one thing of you, And that is the surrender of our life to him. I've tried to put it in a way that you could track with me and climb this mountain. Climb the pattern. See the pattern. So that you can enter into the practice of his presence. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.